I feel hurt when I say Tillim for someone and it doesn't work. What should I do? Some friends tell me that I shouldn't expect it to work, while others tell me who do I think I am, that Hashem should listen to me. What is the right perspective? To answer this question as an idea is very difficult. To answer this question when it's painting a person personally is, is impossible. I can't do it. I'm gonna say a few ideas, a few thoughts, and perhaps it'll give you some perspective on it. Number one, there's a Gemara. So the Gemara says, If a person says, I'm giving a dollar to Tzedakah, hundred dollars to Tzedakah, on the condition that my son should live, he's a perfect Tzedakah. Even though he's doing the mitzvah, he's not giving Tzedakah just for the sake of giving Tzedakah, giving Tzedakah with a specific stipulation that his son should recover from an illness. He's called a Tzedakah. And of course, this is, the Rishonim asked the question, "What's the, how could that be? And the answer in a sentence is that when a Yiv gives, yid gives tzedakah uh, for a schooler or for a schus for somebody else, he doesn't regret the tzedakah if the zechus and the segula isn't realized. Meaning, it's not that if he, if he was not going to get his prayer answered, he would take the money back. The stock he's giving, he's giving with his whole heart, and that's why he's called the Tzadik Gomer. He's also stipulating that the Ebisha should use this chus or the schar of this particular mitzvah for the benefit of the health of his child. So, although he's linking the health of his child to the tzedakah, he's that's not the basis for the tzedakah. This is my first idea, my first thought. My second idea is a sikha from the Rebbe based on two Gemaras, where the Rebbe presents us with two different statements from the greatest Tanoim, Rabbi Kiva and Nochem Gamzu. Where Rabbi Kiva says, Everything Hashem does is good, or is for the good. And Rabbi Kiva invoked that phrase when something bad happened to him. When he was kicked out of a town, he said, Kol When his animal was killed, he said, Kol When his candle was blown out, he said, Kol And later he saw that it was for his advantage. And Nochemish Gamzu said, Gamzu This is also good. So the Rebbe explained, Kol means this. We don't know God's ways. And oftentimes, God does things that are to us negative, bad. But we know he knows what he's doing. And because he knows what he's doing, he knows that it's good. And if we're Zoycha, maybe later we'll see ourselves how it was good in retrospect. Maybe we won't. But we trust that Hashem knows what he's doing. Gamzul Toive is what we call betochen, or trach gut vet sein gut, that it'll be revealed good to me from my perspective, my point of view. This is considered a higher level. Madrig of Nochemish Gamzu, who was earlier than Abakiva, he lived in the times of the Beis Amikdash. It's a higher Madrig. The point is that in our relationship with Hashem, there's levels. 
there's a level of relationship with Hashem we're expecting Hashem to give us what we ask as we ask it and when He doesn't we're disappointed or we feel entitled to be disappointed and there's a level of relationship with Hashem we know that He knows what He's doing He knows what He's doing and sometimes we don't know and it's fine because the most important thing in our relationship with Hashem is the relationship itself meaning when I'm saying till him for a force for another person, I'm saying till him for force of another person, but I'm connecting to Hashem. That connection is real, notwithstanding whether what I'm asking for will be granted or not, because my relationship with Hashem in, involves, it includes the understanding that I don't have to know everything that God knows. I don't have to understand everything that God understands. And he has his cheshbonus, he has his reasons, he has his reasons, he has his considerations. This is my second thought. My third thought is something which the Rebbe writes in one of his Mugadukah Maimorim, where the Rebbe says, there's no such thing as a prayer that goes unanswered. There's no such thing as a prayer that goes unanswered in a favorable way. We don't understand. You said till the person wasn't helped. That presumes that the best help for the person is your version of what's helpful for that person. We don't understand Darki Hashem and we don't understand what's best for a person under various conditions. And sometimes our lack of understanding of other variables makes us feel like we pray and our prayers are not answered. But if we truly appreciate the situation for what it was, we would see that our prayers were in fact answered. But they weren't answered the way we expected them to be answered. Number four. The way we daven to Hashem is that we ask. And we let Him resolve it as He wishes or in His time. There's a Rashi that explains the so-called sin that is called Iyun Tefillah. The Gemara says the three sins that every person transgresses every single day. Iyun Tefillah, Avak Loshon Hara, and Hirur Aveiro. So Iyun Tefillah, Rashi says, we pray to Hashem for something and then we wait and watch and see how He's going to respond. That's not the way the Ebishta operates. I know this in my own life. When you pray, you ask Hashem for something. You leave it alone. You know, when it says in the Pasuk, throw your lot to God and He will provide for you, part of is not only you throw your burden of Panasa on Hashem and let Him provide you with Panasa. Our burden of prayer, when we daven to Hashem, we, daven, we ask Hashem for something, we ask Him and then we leave it to Him. He's going to create the vessel, the medium through which this prayer is answered. And oftentimes, later down the road, a year, two, three, five, ten even, we look back and we see that our prayers were answered. I think that happens a lot more often than we think. It just, again, it doesn't necessarily happen in the ways that we, um, that we expected them to. And one final point, and that is, I, I, I can't say any names, but there was a wonderful chassid who was ill and elderly, and he had a bracha from the Rebbe for Ravuah Shlema. And um, he died. 
and the, the family was disappointed. The Rebbe had given a bracha and he passed away. And there are many stories of the Rebbe like this on different levels. But in this particular case, one of his children told me that uh, one of the siblings would often dream their father. They would sleep in his bed and they would dream their father. So after he passed, she, she slept in his bed and she saw him in a dream and she said, Tata, the Rebbe gave a bracha for the Fushleim and you passed away. So he said, the father said, the Rebbe gave a bracha for Shleim that I would live. But I stipulated they only want to live if I'm able to daven. Barichas, daven like a man, daven like a chosset. And I understood that that I was not going to get. So I declined the bracha. This is a, I heard this from one of his sons then, 30 years ago, when the story occurred. And now I just want to finish with a thought which is not connected to your question, but it's very connected to a similar idea. There are many stories of the Rebbe, many stories of the Rebbe, of people coming to the Rebbe when their relatives were incredibly ill, terminally ill, very, very sick. And the Rebbe would give brachas over the top. They're going to have a foreshleimer, they're going to live long, they take their children to the chuppah, and on and on, and within days the person was gone. And I even know of people who felt betrayed by the Rebbe, lied to by the Rebbe. And I heard that the Rebbe was once asked about this, that when people come and their, their, their circumstance is so dire, and the Rebbe gives them this, what looks like false hope, and then the hope turns to disappointment, and it, uh, it looks like the Rebbe is failing them. So I heard that the Rebbe said, it's a Gemara Mepharashas. The Gemara says, The Gemara says, There's a sword on your neck. Do not stop asking for divine mercy. Meaning the Rebbe was giving the people a possibility, a prospect, to have betochen in the darkest of times, because this is what the Torah says you're supposed to do. You're supposed to uh, continue to hope and to trust that the Abish can make an S, and the truth is he could. The idea that Hashem is limited, the famous expression, if Hashem wishes, he'll make a moifis. So even under the worst conditions, we daven and we pray because we believe that the Abisha can do what he wishes. And we have an obligation to be positive even at the darkest of moments. I heard a story once from a groaner that a woman came into 770, she was not dressed religious with a letter for the Rebbe, and she gave it to Rabbi Groner, and she um, said to Rabbi Groner, if you want, you could read it. It's a letter for the Rebbe, if you want, you could read it. So Rabbi Groner took it and put it on the pile, and she said, I told you if you want, you could read it. So he says, okay, but I don't want to read it. She says, no, no, but I want you to read it. So he opened the letter. In the letter it said that this woman had been in 773 weeks before, her father was terminally ill, and she come and written a letter, and the Rebbe gave this kind of an over-the-top bracha with promises, that he'll live and he'll be well. And he passed away, and they had a levaya, and she just got up from Shiva, and she came to write the Rebbe a letter, thanking him. And what she wrote is that by the Rebbe giving them this incredible optimistic possibility, prospect, promise, the Rebbe gave them an incredible gift that the last few weeks that they had with their deceased relatives were in a relative, were in a very uplifted disposition rather than depressing and hard and heavy 
So one person gets reassurance from the Rebbe and he's disappointed that the Rebbe failed. Another person gets reassurance from the Rebbe and he sees it as creating an opportunity to enjoy the last moments with the person who's passed away. Now the question was, how, what's the right attitude when you daven and your prayer is not answered? I think one attitude is you daven to the Eibishter because he's the Eibishter and we connect to him and that has merit in itself. Another attitude is there's no question that the prayer was answered. The question is only how. And the question is only when. And the question is only where. And in general, when it comes to Hashem, we ask Him for things. And we don't have a scorecard. We don't have a scorecard. We're not keeping score. Whatever Hashem does is good. We have a warm relationship with Hashem. Like I always tell my students, that before betochen is amunah, before I come to Hashem with a special need, I live in Hashem's world. My baseline is I live in Hashem's world. Hashem and He knows what He's doing, whether He does good or things which I don't understand. And then in that framework, we daven and we ask. And that constant of emuna, that Hashem knows what He's doing, is the background of our entire life. And if that background is healthy, when we daven, and we don't necessarily get what we asked for, the way we asked for it, how we asked for it, and the time frame that we asked for it, that foundation, that base, connection to Hashem, is the perspective on it. We don't understand. We don't understand. And we don't have to. We don't have to. But I certainly don't agree with the attitude, who do you think I am that Hashem should listen to me? You know who I think I am? I'm a Ben Avram, it's a Yankiv. Not only that, I'm a mitzvah Hashem gave me a mitzvah that I should come and ask Him of all my needs. So I don't agree with this, who do I think I am? Hashem gave me a mitzvah to ask, and Hashem didn't give me a mitzvah to ask with the attitude that He's not going to give us what we ask for. But we can't always understand everything. And this we need to understand.